What's up everybody? This is Tanner from TamanBaseballFan.com. We've got a question for you. Why do you collect what you collect? Let me expand on that a little bit because I've been thinking about this quite a bit recently. We have a number of people in our hobby that collect for all different sorts of reasons uh, and uh, some are finding extreme satisfaction and enjoyment in their collecting while others are struggling uh, to find the same joy and satisfaction from it. In fact, they're actually having some problems and, and are introducing stress into their lives that spills onto other places, other areas of their lives as well. So what we're going to do is we're going to kind of uh, look into a few of these reasons, figure out why, and I'll have a challenge for you uh, in... Uh, asking you at the end of this, what exactly uh, are you doing in this hobby? Uh, and is there something that you should change about your collecting habits to make it more enjoyable? It's all about making adjustments. And I know I make adjustments all the time. Uh, <laughs> there's a lot of people that look at me like I have two heads uh, because, of, because of this. And I'm obviously very public about all of my moves. Uh, but there's a reason for it. And... Uh, after I finish this podcast and after you start to uh, think about it a little more, maybe it'll make more sense and maybe you'll do make some adjustments as well. And the end goal here is really ultimately to hopefully bring more satisfaction into your uh, collecting experience and take out any stress that you might have. Uh, now, it, that might sound kind of strange to a number of you out there. Uh, why, why would I have stress in collecting? I don't understand. Um, so that actually happens quite a bit, especially, uh, and, and a lot of people will know this, but a lot of the guys that are, uh, new to the hobby, because there's a lot of you out there from the past year and a half or so that have, that have entered that might be experiencing this, but have not, uh, listened to anybody that's actually addressed it. Um, so I think this is going to be a good thing for everybody to listen to, uh, even if you're not dealing with this. Uh, maybe even if you haven't thought about this, uh, it's good to be able to kind of have this in the back of your mind always. So that way you can make adjustments down the road if you need to. So, uh, we'll go through a number of examples. I'm not going to have anything. Uh, none of this is scripted guys, in case you didn't know already, none of this is, is scripted. This is all off the top of my head. So I'm just talking here. So, uh, so think of this as kind of like a one-sided conversation for the most part, uh, <laughs> instead of uh, something that's rehearsed or written out or, or something like that. So uh, anyways, I know there's a lot of people out there uh, that have set parameters for their collecting, uh, which is good. I encourage that. Um, unfortunately, uh, a lot of people in doing so, setting these parameters, they've actually set up a jail cell for themselves. And they have set themselves up to collect on a treadmill and they don't know how to get off. So that's probably the one thing that I want to mainly uh, talk about for the most part. So let me give you an example. Let's say you uh, super collect a certain player. Let's say it's Acuna. So you want to have the biggest, baddest Acuna collection out of anybody and everybody out there. You want to be the Acuna guy and you want to get every single card of his out there. The problem is, and this is a problem that has been introduced mainly in the past, I want to say 10 years or so, 
so it's kind of a relatively new phenomenon when it comes to this in our in our hobby. But the problem is this: buying and collecting every single card of a player is simply impossible. It is not doable on any uh, in any way, shape, or form these days. You cannot do it. So uh, I guess the question is so the first question for you is if i'm super collecting somebody to try to get every single card and i know i can't then what am i doing uh can i be satisfied with knowing that i'll never be complete so to speak uh or how do i shift my paradigm of collecting here and what would i consider as being complete so for the acuna collector that mean that might mean getting every base card, which is definitely doable. That might mean getting every autograph of his that's not a one of one. That's going to be significantly more difficult, especially considering the uh, sheer quantity of cards that are out of five and 10 and so on and so forth. Um, and then of course, you know, the other short prints that may or may not uh, show up and that sort of thing. Uh, so, uh, you know, you got to really think hard at this like in because there's a lot of people that uh have a hard time uh sleeping at night really honestly truly uh because they're always looking for the cards uh that they uh would like for the collection so that way they can feel complete but the problem is completion is not even uh realistic and in a sense it's kind of fun to have to shoot for a goal that you can't really uh, complete because there's a saying by an old friend of mine that uh, he said this and it's not his quote but uh, he says if you reach for the stars you you won't you won't catch them but you also won't uh, end up with hands full of dirt and uh, I always like that that quote you, if you reach for the stars you'll you will not end up with hands full of dirt and uh, I, I yeah I love that I, I really do and I've I heard that for the first time probably about 20 plus years ago and uh, you know that, that always stuck with me and so in collecting even though this is like way lighthearted compared to you know like the real things in life or whatever um, that you might be shooting for if you have just like a, a, a goal of collecting everything then yeah you're going to go far probably because you're going to know the horsepower that it takes to uh, to stay uh active on ebay and the forums and social media to keep hunting down these cards all over the place uh so the problem is and this is kind of why i touched on a little a little while ago is when you do this uh you're going to garner a little bit of a following and some people will root you on and you may almost feel like you're on a treadmill uh, in like a rat race of some sort where you feel compelled to buy nearly every card that you put your eyes on that you don't have. Um, so that's kind of a dangerous position to be in because really at that point, uh, what you're saying is, uh, is my pocketbook is at the mercy of whatever the card companies uh, print out. And uh, that can be borderline scary. And I know that that can be something where, uh, you know, you really got to be careful uh, and, you know, maybe uh, reevaluate your parameters, uh, your collecting parameters. 
and to a point where I know for me, if I set a goal, set out a goal, I want to do everything I can to achieve it. Uh, so that means almost like if I do have a, uh, for instance, for super collecting Conseco, if I have that again in me, uh, I will want to go all in or nothing. And that's a, that's a very difficult place to be. And now keep in mind, I said super collecting Conseco, not collecting Conseco, but super collecting Conseco. Uh, that's a, uh, <laughs> that's, that's probably something that, uh, that I probably should not have gone nearly as hard on uh, back years ago, but that's just kind of how it was. And I almost felt, and I'm kind of trying to tell my story here a little bit uh, in hopes of this helping others uh, out here that are listening. But uh, when I was doing this, I felt like kind of almost like a sense of responsibility to get these. And when you feel a sense of responsibility to make purchases, that's probably a red flag to you know back off. Uh, same thing if you feel like you're buying cards where you're like, ugh, they, the card companies printed out or made some other cards. Ugh. You know, if you ever feel like that, you know, you probably, uh, that's probably another red flag that, you know, you need to take note of and say, okay, I should probably back off a little bit. Uh, and it's kind of funny because I think tonight I saw the first uh, uh, five-star Kinsekos for this year. And uh, they're nice. But I just kind of laughed to myself because I was like, you know, they're nice, not nice enough for me to really uh, get one myself because I'm just not interested uh, in those. There's plenty of other consecutives I'm really interested in. Those are not it. But I laughed to myself because I was thinking three, four years ago, I would have felt compelled uh, and almost like as if it were a requirement to buy every single one of them uh, and go hard after the one of one and feel like a failure if I was unable to capture the one of one. <laughs> you know, it's kind of a, it kind of a weird, uh, weird way to collect for sure. But I know there's some of you out there that are listening that are going through this. So that's kind of what I want to tell you. You're not alone in this. There's a lot of people that feel that way. So uh, the way that I handled it and I've had, I've talked to some friends through this as well. Okay, it's, uh, it's something where you almost have to go through like a humbling phase where you say, okay, I'm, I'm going to kind of go through this, this phase of uh, really looking at my collection and uh, sitting down and, and really think about the uh, parameters I've put up. Are they, uh, are they not constraining enough to what I want to do? Maybe I should go after... Uh, if you know we're talking about Acuna's again, for instance, uh, you know maybe I should only go after the unnumbered uh, autograph ones, or maybe just one copy of each rainbow, uh, you know, one release from each rainbow. That because that's probably a lot more doable. It's definitely a lot more doable than trying to get every single one of them. But one example of each run that'd be great. Uh, or like I said, all of the base, um, or if you really want to get hardcore going the other way, just pick up the ones you like, pick up the ones you absolutely love, you know? And uh, so I think that will help quite a bit. And what that means also is there might be uh, the blinders taken off of, your, uh, off of your eyes where you look at your collection in a different way and you go, wait a second, I've been buying these cards just for, you know, just for the very fact that I didn't have them before, not because I love them, 
I just didn't have them before. So I felt compelled to do this. So what that means is not only once you make this decision, this determination in your mind, uh, that means that you've jumped off the treadmill and you're actually going the other way because you're not pouring all kinds of money into this anymore. You now have the freedom to take out the cards from your collection that you don't want and don't care about and sell them. I mean, this could be a wildly different thing for, for you out there. So, and again, like I said, I know there's a lot of people out there that are feeling this. They have a bank account that they see as running low, but they see a number of cards that they want and they feel almost like they need, the, those numbers are increasing. So it's kind of like the walls are caving in. So then you start thinking about, well, I've got to work some more and I've got to, uh, you know, make more money this way, that way, and the other. Or maybe I can skimp on uh, doing this. Maybe I can put off this credit card bill or maybe I can, uh, you know, buy, put in a, you know, get another credit card. Uh, <laughs> all these things, like I know of people out there that have done this. Okay, so that was kind of strange. I actually, uh, <laughs> sorry for, for changing courses here. I actually just uh, got stopped by a, a police officer asking about somebody that was uh, ringing doorbells uh, down the street all over the place. So I figured I'd pause the, the podcast here and, uh, and talk, to, talk to the police officer. But um, the problem with this is I don't remember what I was saying before. Uh, that was kind of a, kind of a strange deal. Didn't expect that to happen, but um, anyways, I do believe I was talking about, uh, it's kind of funny, like like I said before, guys, like this is not edited in any way, shape, or form. Like the other night when I uh, ran into a, uh, a dead cat that was halfway eaten um, uh, in the road, I actually mentioned that on the, pet, on the podcast because, like I said, this is not something that I go back home and edit or whatever. This is just kind of like a real-time deal. If you hear me trip, then you're going to you know, hear me holler because I, you know, hurt my shin or something. But, um, anyway, so, uh, I, I'm going to try to, try to retract, track back of what I'm saying here. So, uh, there's a lot of people out there that I know, uh, specifically that have had this problem in the past. And I've actually seen, um, people, uh, deal with this, uh, very publicly. And this has actually hurt marriages where it broke them up publicly online like on Facebook I've seen them go back and forth about this you know my husband was lying about all of the cards that he was uh, uh, buying and, and uh, now we don't have money to pay the bills and all this and you know really you know this is a scary situation so that is not the type of stress that this hobby should be bringing into your life um, if it is major 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 red flag and run the exact opposite way uh, that's not something that you want to do. So, um, uh, like I was saying before though, um, you know, once you start changing your parameters, uh, of collecting to something that's realistic, that's enjoyable. And might I add that, you know, I'll suggest this. I think that rule number one in collecting is, uh, to only include cards that you really love, you know, not, there should be no such thing as, in my opinion, as a necessary evil, uh, that is cards that uh, you feel like you have to get just because you're trying to complete something else or whatever. Um, I know that's kind of flies in the face of the people that collect sets and everything. So that's a, that's kind of the exception to the rule. But I do know that there were a lot of cards as a former Conseco Super Collector, a bunch 
of these necessary evil cards to complete rainbow after rainbow after rainbow. And it's just like, eh. Yeah, as a matter of fact, a little rabbit trail here for you. Um, I was featured on uh, the Topps website for my collection. And I remember pulling out all of these autographs for the first time. Like I, I used to just kind of put them in my boxes, like catalog them in order and everything, put them on the website and enjoy it that way. But this was the first time I took out all of my boxes of, uh, of cards and laid out on the table rainbow after rainbow after rainbow. We're talking about, you know, tons of uh, five-star tribute, tier one, Allen and Ginter, Gypsy Queen, uh, top flagship, all of these, all of these cards, tech, like uh, it was impressive. It, but I remember looking, stepping back and thinking, man, this doesn't really feel like ridiculously awesome. Like I see, <laughs> I basically see like on the table in front of me, like 12 different cards, but just like 10 or 15 different versions of each card, <laughs> you know, and, and none of them really kind of stood out from each other except for maybe a little bit of a color change on the border or the foil or something so uh that always stuck with me where i felt just kind of a little disappointed after i laid them all out and started taking pictures um so you know the goal would be i would say uh is to move into collecting only stuff that makes you excited uh so uh at that point like I said, if you can if you can get to a point where you're thinking, you know what, this is going to be great. Uh, if uh, I only go after one of each run or just the cards I love, you're going to turn around, and look at your collection as it is now, and say, hmm, well, if I'm going after these, only these, then why would I keep all of these other rainbows I've been working on or that I have completed, um, or at least many of them. So what that means is all of these days, a lot of you out there that have run into a, a financial situation that could be a struggle perhaps for you. And like I said, I have talked to many of these people, uh, which is one of the main reasons I'm doing this podcast because I, I sense there's a lot of others uh, like them out there. Uh, you can start selling off the cards that you don't absolutely love in your collection. And guess what? you have gone from being stressed out about finances to having this big weight lifted off of your shoulders and extra money coming into you uh, after you sell some of the cards that you've deemed are not worthy of your collection anymore. Um, now that's a, that's a pretty big deal. And so uh, I was going to originally title this podcast, Who Do You Collect For?, um, I don't really know what I'm going to title it just yet because they have me title it at the end. Um, but uh, that is a very good question because we're kind of crossing the line of, you know, who do you really collect for? Are you uh, collecting for you or are you collecting for the online community uh, to see? Or are you collecting just because of uh, certain players and cards are hot and you want to have things that are uh, valuable in the eyes of everybody else. Now I will say this, I think that there is a uh, lot of merit to, to that. That doesn't mean that you're doing it the wrong way or whatever, if you want cards that are desirable uh, for everyone else. Now the problem does, uh, it does happen whenever you start uh, collecting cards only because they're desirable to other people. Um, you know, let's say 
Uh, I mean, <laughs> you have any number of prospects every single year that might catch our eye just because they're in the spotlight. Um, and, and, you know, listen, who doesn't want cards of hot players, right? I mean, it's, it's exciting. You know, that's why we, a lot of times we'll open boxes of cards from Walmart or, you know, our card shop or online. We want to hit big cards of these, uh, of the next best thing. You know, I mean, it's a, that's just kind of how it goes. Um, but what happens is if you don't have like an actual true love for this, your desire or interest in that card is only going to go as far as the public eye lets you. So I'll give you an example. Uh, well, let's see, there's so many examples actually. I mean, you can think of any number of uh, players in the past that were uh, supposed to be the next best thing. Like I always go to, when I was growing up, it was uh, like Todd Van Poppel. You know, he was supposed to be like the next Nolan Ryan. Brian Taylor, you know, another guy was supposed to be like this amazing uh, player that didn't really, you know, didn't really pan out. There's so many guys out there every single year. Um, and, and we're always hoping for the next Mike Trout, right? I mean, that's just kind of how it goes. But uh, I mean, I remember Yasiel Puig, he was a big deal for a long time. And uh, his cards were on fire. And of course, you know, they should have been. I mean, he was playing crazy good like for that first year at least, it was just insane. Uh, but anyways, uh, you know, that, that's kind of one of the things that you wanna, uh, you wanna ask yourself, why am I collecting? Um, another thing is graded cards. I know that there's uh, a lot of people out there that will buy uh, PSA 10 cards of, you know, rookie cards from their childhood because it's fun to have like a perfect copy of, you know, a card that they may have coveted as a kid, nothing wrong with that. However, um, the question then becomes, do I really want to end up spending, uh, you know, 10, 15, 20, a hundred times more, uh, for a perfect copy than a raw copy that might look pretty, pretty darn good by itself. You know, and there's some people that they collect slabs and they want the, uh, the 10 moniker at the very top and that's fine. But, you know, the question is, do you want to have that money invested in that specific card or do you want to take that money, buy a raw copy and then put that some, towards something else? Um, you know, for me personally, when it comes, and I've, I've talked about this before, uh, I like my vintage stuff graded. Um, obviously, no PSA 10s. <laughs> you know, that's just not, uh, you know, not how it will go for my vintage collection. In fact, most of my stuff is very low grade or mid grade, and but with very, very high eye appeal. Uh, now I want that stuff graded, but when it comes to the '80s stuff, uh, you know, especially because like that's where that's when I started collecting. Uh, I'm going to want raw copies for my collection because, and I'll give you one example here. Let's say you have, uh, I don't know, like an okay. Well, here you go. I'll, I'll stay in my wheelhouse in ASIC Sonner's Ray Rookie Canseco, you can pick up a nice one uh, that's raw for probably about $6. Yeah, six, seven, eight dollars somewhere around there. Uh, or if you absolutely must have a PSA 10 copy, that could be four or $500. Um, that, and that is a massive difference. 
Now, if you've locked yourself into a collection with PSA 10s, obviously it's gonna make sense for you to grab a PSA 10. Uh, however, now here's, here's kind of what, what I like to do. Um, I want to have the raw copy uh, for my binder. I've talked about my you know, 80s binder that I'm slowly, slowly, slowly working on. Uh, you could put the $6 there and then you have, you know, realistically, probably about $400 left over to do something. For me personally, uh, I would like that $400 uh, to be placed into vintage. And, uh, you know, that's, uh, so that way you basically have whatever vintage card you want for, you know, the $400, that $400 wipe, and you'll have your Conseco, even though it's not gonna be slabbed as a PSA 10. So just something to think about. You know, it's, it's really kind of all about, you know, figuring out where you want your money to go, of course. Um, but anyway, so those are a few thoughts I have uh, in mind. Uh, and so the next question, I guess, is like, how can you really figure out what's really going to make you excited about collecting? Uh, I suggest just, you know, kind of throwing off all of the uh, shackles of what you've uh, put yourself on as far as... Uh, what collecting that you're trying to do right now. If you have done that, I don't know. Uh, but if you have, just throw them off and just look on eBay, look on the forums, click around, just have a good time looking at other people's collections. There's no shortage of people out there that are, uh, that have, uh, you know, taken pictures of their collections and they gush over it, you know, myself included. Uh, you know, and you can really uh, get a feel for what's really out there. Um, which is really kind of an exciting deal uh, because uh, especially nowadays, like I think people are, uh, are really kind of uh, being more free and open with uh, their collections now than ever before. So you're going to be able to see a lot of people share a whole lot more now than you were, for example, like three, four, five, six years ago, um, which really, really helps the other collectors to see what they can truly fall in love with. Uh, and I'll give you an example also because it's almost like an instinct thing. You know, you don't want to force it. If you force it, then, you know, uh, collecting might not work too well for you if you feel like you're forcing something. So that's why, you know, you should really take your time to just uh, simmer over what other people have posted and see what really gets you. So here's an example. Uh, and this is this has nothing to do with cards, but this is kind of how I see it. It's kind of a nice little parallel. A number of years ago, uh, Holly and I went to a storage unit uh, auction. Uh, you know, years ago they had all kinds of these TV shows of you know these uh, guys kind of going in there and you know cowboy hats and big belt buckles and buying out entire storage units and you know flipping them for big money. And so that was kind of all the rage back then. So I was thinking, man, that'd be kind of cool. I want to do that. So uh, Holly and I went to one and I told her, I said, yeah, I don't think we're going to buy any. I just want to stand here and I want to take a part of the atmosphere, like see how this feels, right? <laughs> and, uh, and so I want to just kind of get, get a good feel for, for how this goes. I don't think I'm going to bid on anything. Um, I don't know anything. Why would I bid on something? Uh, you know, Surely I'm going to be uh, surrounded by uh, by a bunch of uh, experts of this of this sort of thing. So I'm not going to I'm kind of outmatched, outnumbered, uh, so to speak. So uh, we go from unit to unit, and 
I'm watching these people buy these units. I'm like, yeah, this is pretty cool. I just, I don't, I don't think I would, uh, yeah, I just didn't feel any of it myself. So I'm just gonna keep observing. And then uh, they, uh, they open up another locker and it's like something like locked in with me where I go, this is mine. And so <laughs> I went from not having any desire, any interest, I had a lot of desire, I guess, but not any interest in, uh, in winning a storage unit at all. But I looked at it and I go, I've got to win this. So I'm bidding there, say, we're going to start this at $25. And I go, 25. And then somebody said, you know, 50. And I said, 75. And they said, 100. And I said, 125. And they said, 200. I said, 250. And so we kept going up. And I was like, just like a, a dog with a bone. I could not let it go. So I ended up winning it. Uh, I think for like 450 bucks and uh it was instinct you know i think we uh, we did really well it's kind of funny though like it took a lot of work to move that stuff but i think we tripled or quadrupled our money at least um which is just kind of a fun little little side deal but uh <laughs> but it spent like we took all day uh bringing all that stuff in and i think we were up to like three or four in the morning with all of this like new inventory from this person's storage unit in our uh in our living room it like took up almost every single square inch of it you know which is kind of uh you know it, it's fun when you get it but not so fun at three or four in the morning <laughs> so uh but it worked out pretty good but the whole point of this though is that there was something that clicked you know when i saw it and that's what's going to happen a lot of times with cards like something for me uh with these vintage cards something clicked where i go i want to be in the space Something clicked with me when it came to Kinseiko cards, obviously. Um, years ago, I tried to like force, you know, force feed myself into a certain collecting deal where I said, you know, I'm going to collect Albert Pujols. I'm going to collect Mark McGuire. I'm going to collect Roger Clemens, Frank Thomas, Ken Griffey Jr., uh, you know, Ricky Henderson. Like I had a group of guys I really liked, Dennis Eckersley. But I just never really had that, that click moment where I go, yes, this is it until uh, Canseco, you know, and then from there, it was like, man, this is the coolest thing ever. I'm having a blast. And so I want that for you. I want you to have that, like that click moment where you go, yes, this is it. But at the other side of things, I don't want you to live in this like uh, kind of perpetual prison of feeling like you have to buy uh, something. And the, the name of the game is, uh, you know, you don't have to buy it. If you see something you don't have, you don't have to buy it. Don't worry about FOMO, the fear of missing out. If you aren't feeling that card or you don't feel like uh, you're financially ready to, to take the plunge on something, don't do it. You know, just don't do it. It is a much better life to be able to uh, sleep well and not worry about bills than it is to uh, uh, this sounds like, this is kind of start, starting to sound like a uh, simple living financial uh, podcast but uh, but I'm serious though guys like it's much better to be able to sleep well at night without any stress than having to be on this rat race of uh, the, being on this perpetual treadmill of getting these cards just because you feel compelled because you have to you feel like you have to um yeah so those are the red flags that you need to be aware of um now if you have to uh pause 
collecting as long as you need to to reevaluate because that's definitely a path you do not want to go down. Um, but uh, anyway, so that's all I have for you tonight. I hope that this helps you guys out there. Um, yeah, that's that's my main hope. I just I really want some people to to click with what I'm saying, uh, so that way you can have on one side of the spectrum a very enjoyable journey in collecting. Wherever you you know when you really start uh, collecting a certain uh, you know when you, when you really start forming a PC, a personal collection uh, on that side. But on the other side, I want it to be something that you're not going to be uh, stressed out about down the road. So, uh, it's, uh, I'm all about healthy collecting and, uh, uh, collecting enjoyably till you see full contentment and satisfaction, um, and really enjoying the journey and not, uh, putting off this enjoyment during the journey until you hit the destination. Because as I said, in a few podcasts, uh, a podcast a while ago, it's about the journey. It's not about the destination. A lot of times we won't even uh, hit the destination because, and that's okay. <laughs> you know, that's okay. Uh, uh, priorities change and goals change and that's perfectly fine. So just enjoy the journey and uh, yeah, I think you'll get the most you can out of this hobby. So thank you all for listening and I hope you all have a great day.